This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Aren't you thankful this morning that he loved you that much? My, my, my. Now I've got to try to follow that. Amen. My heart swells this morning because of their willingness to minister. Amen. I'm proud, but not with a prideful pride, if you understand what I mean this morning. But I'm thankful today that God has anointed them to do what they do. Amen. Amen. Have you felt the presence of the Lord in this house today? My, my, my. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Jeremiah chapter 29. I want to read two verses of Scripture. I'll be going to Matthew chapter 16 a little later. But I want to share a message with you this morning with the title, Satan Plots. But God has a plan. Satan plots, but God has a plan. Look with me to the scripture, Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. To bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you. Declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future. And a hope. Would you pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your spirit, your power and your presence God that's been evident in this place today. God I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay to minister your word to your people. God I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. God I pray this not be just a passing of the time but God I pray that this would be a significant defining moment in the destiny of this great church hide me behind the cross today God this is not about me but it's all about you help me to decrease so that you may increase touch your people today challenge us in this house today in Jesus name we pray and the church said amen Anytime you see in scripture the words, for thus says the Lord, you might want to pay attention to what follows. Because I'm sure something important is about to be said. I'll get back to those two passages of scripture, those two verses in just a moment. But let me begin here. The year was 1938. The church was organized as the 13th church in the state. Brother E.T. Kurtzinger set the church in order and the pastor was Sister John Higgins. Some of the members of the church in 1940 were A.H. Hudson's. 
the Hayes family, the Hendersons, Grandma Johnson, Sister Greenwood, the V.W. Burns family, the Sheltons, Paul Higginbotham, and Paulo Higginbotham Wingo. In 1958, the total tithe for the year was $5,527.75. There were 113 members. The average Sunday school attendance was 69. The YPE, or Young People's Endeavor, which is now Wednesday night's average attendance was 29. And the Willing Workers attendance was 10. As you'll probably figure it out by now, the brief history that I've just given you is that of the Southern Hills Church of God. You may be wondering what this has to do with the message today, so let me just reveal to you the reason I have for sharing this. This church began approximately 84 years ago. And today in 2022, this church continues to be a place that is thriving it is a place of restoration and refuge for those who are hurting. And it continues to be a place where people can hear the saving message of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you can look around and tell, there are many who are no longer with us because they have reached their heavenly reward. But you are here and you are carrying the baton in this race. You are here to continue carrying the torch for the Southern Hills Church of God. And you are here because God's hand has been and it continues to be upon this great church. And as you can imagine, there have been plenty attempts of Satan to sabotage this church and many attempts to prevent it from doing what God has destined for it to do. But as the pastor and the shepherd of this house, let me declare to you today that every plot Satan has designed against this church, God had a plan to counter his plot. And let me just tell you while I'm on that subject, that I'm not really concerned about what lies ahead because as sure as the sun rises in the morning and it sets in the evening, the enemy will continue to try to do everything he can to plot against us and to stop us and to destroy us. But the good news is that for every plot, God still has a plan of navigation around and through his plot to destroy the works of the enemy so this church can carry out the work that God has appointed it and anointed it to do. And I'm just grateful and thankful that God has chosen our family to be here for such a time as this. So let's talk about the plots that Satan wants to use. I talked about this last Sunday morning, and I don't know why the Lord took me back here today, but I'm going to go back here again. He will use a plot of distraction. This was a main point of last week's message. We talked about how Martha was distracted, even though Jesus was in his home, in her home. 
You see, distraction is a tool of the enemy to cause us to lose focus from the task and the job at hand. If the enemy can distract us, it will cause us to become focused on our distractions. And it will cause us to become more uh, entangled and engulfed with those distractions than we are our destiny. But can I tell you that God has a destiny for you and God has a destiny for this church? What are some of the things the enemy will use to distract us? He will use things like the words and actions of others to distract us from God. He wants to magnify hurt and pain to the point that it cripples us so we can no longer be effective and useful in the kingdom. Can I just be real honest with you this morning? Church hurt is not God hurt. Church hurt is not God hurt. You may have been hurt in church, but that doesn't mean God has hurt you. Hello, somebody. But what the enemy wants to do is he wants to amplify and magnify hurt and pain to the point that he begins to isolate us and take us out of the game and away from the job and the task that God has called us and anointed us and appointed us to do. You say, preacher, why are you preaching this? Only because the Holy Ghost told me to do it. Let me tell you something. It's good to be the second Sunday in because you don't know a whole lot still. But the reality of it is the Holy Ghost knows where you are. The Holy Ghost knows what you've been through. The Holy Ghost knows where you've walked. He knows what you've been dealt. And He knows how it's impacted your life. But can I tell you this morning that God does not want us to be distracted by the hurt and the pain and cripple us to the point that we can't do something for the kingdom. You see, if he can cause us to focus on the hurt, he can hinder our effectiveness. If he can cause us to focus on the pain, he can prohibit our progress. If he is successful in magnifying our hurt and pain, it will become a crutch that we carry more than the Christ that we carry. That's one of those places, you know, I'm old enough to know what a cassette tape is. I'm old enough to know what an 8-track tape is. But I'm going to use a cassette tape this morning. I want to hit the rewind button and say that one more time. Is that all right? If the enemy can distract us to the point that we mag he magnifies our hurt and pain, that it becomes our focus, it will become a crutch we carry more than the Christ we carry. Please understand, I'm not trying to minimize hurt and pain caused by others because I know it's real. But what I endeavor to do is to magnify the Christ who is able to heal and restore us from the pain and the hurt that we have been caused. Again, I declare to you that people maybe in church who have hurt you is not your heavenly Father who has hurt you. So don't give up on God. Say, preacher, you don't understand the dagger that I've been dealt and the pain and the blow that I felt. Listen, I understand and I get it. But don't let it get us to the place and the point to where we stand still and we become so stagnant that we cease to run the race with patience that is set before us. The book of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. If you give it to God, he'll take care of it. I said, if you'll give it to God, he'll take care of it. Don't let the enemy distract you and give you a crutch to carry. 
He wants to distract us from the truth. He wants to distract us from the word of God. The enemy will do everything he can to distract us from the word of God. Because it is truth and it is life. Because why does he want to distract us from the word and from the truth? Because if, you, if you'll read the word, you'll understand that in order to receive forgiveness from the Father, you must have to be willing to forgive. You see, we can't harbor unforgiveness towards somebody and expect God to forgive us. That's contrary to the word. You say, preacher, you're talking about unforgiveness. Yes, you want me to tell you why? I felt like the Holy Ghost took me this direction this morning. Because sometimes we harbor things in our heart that we're not even aware of. And unless we get to the place and the point with God that we're willing to say, God, I don't want anything to stand between me and you. God, reveal anything in my heart, in my life that stands between me and you. Until we get to that place in our relationship with Him, then we'll never be able to truly worship freely. It'll hinder our daily progress. But can I tell you today, that I have a father, and you have a father that is standing and waiting with open arms. And he's saying, hey, I understand what was said, and I understand the things that happened. I understand what was done, and how it affected you, and how it hurt you. But if you'll just run and throw yourself into my arms, I'll hug you tight. I'll whisper sweet peace to you, and I'll take all of the hurt and all of the pain away. You say, preacher, you really believe it can happen? Absolutely I do. Because if I don't, then I have to, then I would be putting a, I would be putting a limitation on what God's able to do. Don't let him distract you from the word. Don't let him distract you from the truth. He wants to keep you out of the word of God. He doesn't want you to read the scripture. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He doesn't want you to be in his house because he doesn't want you to hear the word. He doesn't want you to gain strength from brothers and sisters who are like-minded. He doesn't want you to be in his presence. And he'll do everything he can to keep you away. But listen this morning. If he can distract us from forgiving one another... If he can keep us distracted by the hurt and the pain and the truth from God's word, then he can cause us to be distracted so much that we no longer exercise forgiveness toward others. And holding on to unforgiveness causes us to be ineffective in the kingdom of God. We must forgive in order to receive forgiveness. And if you don't get anything else I say this morning, take what I'm about to say away with you today. Forgiving someone is not about that person winning. Our forgiving others is about freeing us so we can worship freely. It's not about their liberty. It's about my liberty. Because, let me just, can I just give you a quick illustration about, about this? Do you know what harboring unforgiveness does? It gives somebody miles away from you complete domination, dominion, and control over your life. You are connected to the end of a leash that they are holding. And many times they don't even know they're holding. If I don't have any other motivation for forgiving someone. It's to disconnect myself from that thing. Did you hear what I said? But my forgiving them is not about them. It's about me. It is about my relationship with the Father. It doesn't excuse what they did. It doesn't make what they did right. But it makes me free. And I'd rather be free than I had to be bound. Because my Bible tells me. 
that he who the Son is set free is free indeed. That tells me that he knew that we would have times where we would want to hold on to unforgiveness and things that would hinder us. But he said, I can still make you free and free indeed. Satan has a plot. But God has a plan. Let me talk to you about another plot that he has. Decoys. A decoy is something artificial used to attract the real thing. It is a place where a person or a thing can be trapped or shot. A thing or a person who is used to lure someone into a trap. That's what a decoy is. Satan is the master of imitating. He wants to convince us that something is of God when it is truly not. He will even attempt to do this by mimicking the Holy Spirit. Satan will dance a counterfeit in front of us to see if we will be lured into a trap of deception. It pays to remain in tune with God and the Holy Spirit. When we are in tune with God and the Holy Spirit, we will recognize the counterfeits for what they truly are. I've talked enough about his plots this morning. It's time to talk about the plan of God. What is God's plan? The key to God's plan is found in the last phrase of our text. To give you a future and a hope. To accurately understand this, let's take a look at the previous verse, verse 10. Look at what it says. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. This is what he was saying. God had a plan. Not only did he have a plan, but he fulfilled his plan. But watch carefully. His plan wasn't fulfilled until after 70 years had passed. We got to understand one thing. It's never about our timing. It's always about God's timing. It's never about when I want it. It's about when God says time is here. Who wants to wait 70 years for God's plan to be revealed? Not me. Hello. You don't want to wait 70 years. And so many times we give up because God didn't move in our time frame. We lose focus and we become distracted because God didn't move in our time frame. But can I tell you this morning? If we will just stay in tune with God and the Holy Spirit, He'll work all things out for our good and for His glory according to His will. Not when I want it, not when you want it, but when God says, now is the time. Have you ever experienced a time in your life where you needed it now, but God said now is not the time? Let me tell you something. We had a time in ministry where the Lord had laid it upon my heart that a transition was coming and a move was coming. It didn't happen until a year later. That was tough because I was ready. Now some of you are laughing at me this morning, but you're just as impatient as I am. If you're, and if you don't want to admit that this morning, we'll have an altar call in a moment. But you know, when God says, okay, you're done here, and I'm going to be opening the door for you, and okay, God, let's go. Twelve months down the road before God said, now's the time. 
Did I have opportunities to leave? Yes. But guess what happened? Every opportunity, the door was shut. And I finally had to get to the place where I looked at my wife one day. And I said, honey, whatever God has for us, it must be pretty good. Because every door we want to walk through is being closed. But I'll just tell you that I would rather have to wait 12 months than 70 years. But even if God said it's going to be 70 years, know this, that the promises of God are yes and amen. And His plan will come to pass in His time. Not in our time. I'll go one step further, and I'll tell you this morning, there's not a devil in hell. There's not a demon loosed on this earth that's big enough or bad enough or bold enough to stop the plan that God has orchestrated. There's not a member of Congress or the House of Representatives or anything like that, a president or a governor who can veto or sign an executive order that can stop God's plan. God is on the throne. He's still a sovereign God, and His plan will come to pass. I think I'm about ready to preach. I gave you an Old Testament promise to give you a future and a hope. Let me give you a New Testament promise. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 beginning in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say that John the Baptist and others Elijah but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The King James says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I showed you in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, where his plan is to give us a future and a hope. Then Jesus comes by in the first gospel of the New Testament, and he says, upon this rock. And he wasn't talking about Peter, whose name is Petros, which is a rock. But what he was talking about was his confession of faith. That thou art Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And if we'll recognize that he is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God. And that becomes our profession of faith. That can I tell you that the gates of hell shall not, cannot, and will not prevail against the church that God is raising up. Whew. The gates of hell shall not prevail. So what is God's plan? The church prevails. I said the church prevails. Whew. Can I just give you a little news flash this morning? Breaking news coming across. We are a part of the overcoming church. We are a part of the prevailing church. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We are a part of the prevailing church. We may be battered from the fight, but we are not defeated. We are not destroyed. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I've been given a promise. And I'm just going to tell you, you'll learn something about me real quick. I'm just crazy enough to believe the promise that God said. The gates of hell shall not prevail 
We may be battered. We may be, we may be worn out. We may be tired, but we're not defeated. We are overcomers. We are prevailing. The gates of hell are not going to prevail. We are going over. We're going to succeed. And when the smoke settles and the dust clears, the church of the living God will still be standing strong. My Lord God. Let me speak about this on a local level today. Let me just tell you something. It is 12.01 if you're taking medicine. But the Holy Ghost is not through with this message today. As long as we are following God. And allowing Him to be the head. And His Holy Spirit to direct the affairs of the church. We can boldly proclaim this church has been purchased and bought by the shed blood of Jesus. And though all hell assail us, we shall not be moved, but we shall stand and weather every storm. Rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. We will stand victorious in and through Him. Listen very carefully. Satan has plotted against this church and against you. But God has planned this very moment for you and this church. The moment we are in right now has been planned and orchestrated by the Father. And the Holy Spirit is directing us as we go. Does that mean the plotting will stop? No. But it also means that God's not finished the plan. Let me tell you what my one objective is when I walk into this house. To fellowship with you, yes, I, I love to see you and I love to talk to you and interact with you and fellowship with you. I talked about this last week. I have an assignment to do is to bring the word. But can I just really be honest with you? When I walk into this house, my motivation is not really to see you. That's not an unkind statement. Your motivation shouldn't be to see me. My motivation is not to stand in this pulpit and preach the word. Some of you looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. <laughs> Brother, my motivation is not to hear you lead us in worship. And what a fine job that y'all did this morning. Anointed. But my motivation is not even to get up here and preach. But my motivation is to walk into this house and just say, Holy Ghost, have your way. Let me get out of the way. God, come down. Step over the balcony of heaven and wreck somebody today. When's the last time you let the Holy Ghost really get up in your business and wreck you? You say, well, what does that mean, preacher? That means let us get self out of the way. Let us get the program and the plan out of the way. Let, let, let us just take the whole schedule and the order of service and throw it by the wayside and say, Holy Ghost, do what you want to do. That's my motivation. Is to see God come down and touch his people. I'm telling you something. God has a plan. And I'm going to tell you this. I didn't intend to share this. But I'm going to share it right now. Because I just felt an unction of the Holy Ghost. August the 14th. When we came. I stood up here and preached. I walked back down to my seat. Not knowing with certainty in the flesh 
what was about to take place. But I knew what I felt in the spirit. That we would be here at this point. That's what that meant. But when I stepped out off this platform, I walked back to my chair. Not knowing anything. And what I'm about to say is not intended toward anybody. But I'm just telling you what I heard the Holy Ghost say. The Holy Ghost said, this church needs a spirit of revival. And I just said, Holy Ghost, let me get out of the way. What are you saying, preacher? I told you last Sunday morning that when everything is right in this room, God will work all the other details out. I'm not worried about anything else. Did you hear what I said? I'm, I'm not worried about the business side of things. Is that all right? I'm worried about the worship side of things. I'm worried about the movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Because when everything is right in here, everything else will come into alignment with God and His plan. I've seen it too many times where God will take a little and make much out of it. I've seen it too many times where God would take something that seemed like it wasn't sufficient or enough and it was more than enough. Because he is the God of more than enough. But let me tell you what it takes. It doesn't take an intelligent person directing the affairs of the church. And you better thank God for that because you got me. But I will tell you what it takes. It takes somebody who is not scared to confess, Lord, I don't know. But you lead. And you guide. And you direct. So what's the plan, preacher? I'll tell you what the plan is. God is going to be God. The Holy Ghost is going to direct the affairs of this church and this house. And as he does, we shall be a prevailing church and an overcoming church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That's the plan. God has a plan. And it's through this book. I said it's through this book. This is the foundation. My Lord, this is on live stream. We may need to edit this. This is the guide. It's not the book of minutes. Of the church of God. Did you hear what I said? As much as I found it scriptural. And we'll follow it. Because I took an oath to do so. But I'm telling you. This is the ultimate guide. And foundation for God's plan. It's his word. Every answer we have. Shall be found in this book. My Lord God. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is one area we must commit to remain. We cannot ever allow an imitation or a substitute for the authentic outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our midst. What I want is authentic. If we expect to be a prevailing church and an overcoming church, it will only be accomplished as we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to be resident in our midst. And allow Him to come down and have His way freely. I'm almost done. Let's just get out of the way and let the Holy Ghost have His way. This is how the church shall prevail. God's plan for the church is to prevail through the promise of His Word and our lives in the direction of the Holy Spirit operating through us. 
These elements will destroy the plot of the enemy as we remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Did you know that if we stay sensitive to the Holy Ghost, our foundation doesn't have to be rocked when something takes us by surprise? I've looked at things from the perspective many times. And I've even told God this. Not that he didn't know it. But I listen, sometimes you need to tell God things so your flesh will hear it. I said, God, this caught me by surprise, but it didn't catch you by surprise. You knew what was going to happen before I got here. We've, we've got to come to the understanding and grasp a hold of that. That before anything comes our way, God already knew it. And if God already knows it, then he already has a plan through it. Nothing that comes our way comes to destroy us. It does not come so that it might knock us off of our rocker. I talked about a rocking chair last week. But the reality of it is we've just got to step back and say, God, I, I didn't see this. But God, you knew. Lead me, guide me, and direct me. So I'm just simply telling you this. When the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail, not one time did it say it wouldn't try. Now you're not going to say amen right there because that's not real good preaching. It's, it didn't say that the enemy wouldn't try to prevail. Let's change our thinking just a little bit. It didn't say we wouldn't come under attack and under assault. But what it said is you're not going to lose. You may be battered. You may be hit. And it may have come from a direction you didn't see. But know this. As long as I'm the head and the Holy Ghost is directing the affairs, you're going to be all right. You may feel like your armor's been beat up and battered. You may feel like your robe of righteousness has been torn a little bit. But you're going to still be standing. Let me leave you with something. And tell you like this. If we never had an encounter with difficult times and situations and circumstances from the enemy, we would never know we really needed a God. Because we would think we had everything figured out. Let me tell you something. The Lord reminds me daily why I need Him. Like this morning. When I wasn't smart enough to move my hand and I jammed my knuckle into the side of the door. I didn't know I could speak 14 different languages to that moment. I'm reminded often how much I need him because I am incapable and inadequate. I'm just simply telling you, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment, thou shalt condemn. It's our heritage as a servant of the Lord. The prophet Isaiah spoke it. Listen, it didn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed, but he said it would not prevail. It would not prosper. What are you saying? Just like Isaiah said it, Jesus said it in Matthew 16. Hell may come against you, but it shall not prevail. I'm reminded of the old hymn. Though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved. Let me close. And just simply tell you this. God has not brought us this far. All the way from 1938. To forget about us now. God has prepared this moment for us. And for this church. 
We are poised to do great things under the power and the direction of the Holy Ghost. We must seize the moment and let the Holy Spirit have His way. Let Him lead us into all that God has for us. Satan will continue to plot, but God's plan shall prevail. We are a part of the prevailing church and an overcoming church. Stand with me all over this house today. Let me tell you something this morning. God is a master of lining things up. He is the best of the best in confirming His Word. I don't know all of your stories. Time has not permitted for me to know all of your stories. Where God's brought you from and things you've been through. But if I had to guess this morning, it might would be safe to say that there are some of you in this room today that the enemy has tried to take you out. He has devised schemes and plans to destroy you. But as I look across this room this morning, I can see he didn't prevail. <laughs> I said he did not prevail. Some of you may have been here long enough that there were times that you may have felt like this church wasn't going to make it. But thank God it's still standing. Thank God it's still here. And it's not because the foundation is good concrete that was poured, but it's because the foundation is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm thankful to be a part of the local church in Southern Hills. I'm thankful to be a part of the blood-bought church in the kingdom of God. Listen, church. Here's what I've come to learn about God. God always wants to meet His people at the point of the need. And the first step is to acknowledge the point of the need. And when we acknowledge the point of the need, and we take that initial step, that's a step of faith that says, God, I believe you can meet me at the point of my need.